0: about the aroma of giving this morning, which uh, I didn't plan that. this is not a strategizing like let's beat them up. I didn't even know what Joe was going to share, uh, but that was so good. Amen, hallelujah. But I want to talk about the aroma of giving this morning um, because we're we're spending a little bit of time preparing ourselves and and just kind of getting ourselves. In a place where we're attractive, we want to be attractive to the Holy Spirit. We want to catch His attention. We want to catch the attention of our heavenly lover, amen? And we want, to, we want to actually, as well, I'm going to talk about this a little bit this morning, we want to be in pursuit of our heavenly lover. We don't want to be running from, we want to be running to, and we want to have around, about us something special that draws our heavenly lover near. The Lord is our heavenly lover. Amen? Do you love Him? Let's pray this together. Father, I welcome the ministry of Jesus, the redemptive, restoring, I'm only hearing about ten of you, the redemptive, restoring, saving, washing, renewing, Ministry of Jesus in my heart, in my life. I ask you to open the eyes of my understanding. Holy Spirit of wisdom, Holy Spirit of revelation, rest upon me. Help me see new things in you. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Oh, I want a spelling good. By the way, by the way, if my breath is bad, would you just tell me? I think there's only been like two people in the history of the church that have been brave enough to tell me. Just tell me, just tell me. I brush, I floss, I do it all. I only have one filling in my mouth, one filling. But you know what I do? I drink way too much coffee. Coffee can be a real killer to the breath. What if you know me well? What if you love me? What if we're close and I'm stinky? And then a newcomer comes into the building and you didn't tell me I'm stinky. Why'd they turn me down right there when I said stinky? What is up with that? Jeremy, not so much moving on that microphone. So maybe I'm a little bit, you know, stinky and then you don't tell me. And then a newcomer comes in and like I blast them with stink. And then they're like feeling like there was a cool church, but I don't know. I can't handle stink. I'm not going back so we've got to be helping one another. You've got to help me, church. You're my family. Amen? So I was thinking about aromas this morning uh, because uh, aromas produce a memory. Could be a really good memory or a really bad memory, right? Aromas produce a memory. And... And we, we, want, we want to produce a memory in the heart of God. We want him drawn to us even when we're not busy doing something that is God's word because of what we did, and what we did has produced a memory. Did you know that, that the idea of memory came from God? And did you know that God remembers things? Yes? Did you know he chooses not to remember your sin against you? Doesn't mean he doesn't remember it. He chooses not to remember it against you. Right? He's got a great memory. And it's interesting, things that we do that are of a incense, a sweetness, things that we do that are of a sweetness essence actually go up before Him and produce something in His heart that creates a memory that draws Him back to us even when we aren't doing it currently. So I was thinking about some memories, uh, uh, like growing up, I grew up in church, and so uh, we grew up with a very traditional thing, and to this day there's still the essence of that memory that memory ling- lingering with me, and that is uh, every Sunday, every Sunday after church, some of you might bear witness to this, some of you other hardcore churchism I, people, every Sunday after church we'd go home to roast with garlic and potatoes and carrots. Anybody? Anybody in the building? Any other... Fruitcake church people in the building? I didn't say fruitcake. I mean, I, mean, I roast garlic. So, but, but here's what happened is that carved in, and this is what happens with memories, carved into the memory is the atmosphere contained within the memory. So there's something that is hooked to the memory that's the atmosphere. And for us, it was family fun, it was fellowship. It was reflecting on the goodness of God. It was conversation about church. Oftentimes it was another church family over to the house, and they had their little kids, and I was a little guy, and they'd have little guys about my age, and so there'd be, you know, Matchbox and Hot Wheels and, and other fun things after dinner, you know, while the parents were all fellowshipping. And so so hooked together, to the aroma of roast potatoes, garlic, a little onion thrown in there. Yeah. Some carrots, one of the best ways to have carrots, by the way, right there, just cook them good. Cook them right, saturate them in some roast with some, oh, whoo! Whew, whew. Hello, somebody. But saturated in that memory was the atmosphere. It was the atmosphere that transpired when the memory was made. So now when I get near that smell, what happens is it quickens something really kind of good, kind of warm, kind of happy within me because in that, because in that smell, I'm taken back to what was happening when the smell was made. Isn't that wild? So all of this... The way, we, the way we operate, and, and Paul said it this way. Paul said, F- first the natural, then the spiritual, or we know more about the, the spiritual realm by looking at the natural realm. And, and this is why Jesus talks so many times in parables. We, we know that. He's giving us a lot of parables, metaphors. He's, he's telling us one truth with a natural truth. So as he unfolds the natural truth, then we get a really good insight on the spiritual truth. So we understand more about God and about His nature by even examining our own memory. And it's out of this understanding that the terminology even, memorial, is carved. What is a memorial? A memorial is a sweet-smelling offering. It is an incense offering. It's a sweet-smelling. By incense, I, I don't mean... Uh, 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 people from the East lighting something in a bowl I, I, I mean there 's something special and, and i 'll read to you out of Leviticus but there 's something special uh, that that is offered up there is a a smoke, so to speak, that goes before the Father in particular memorials or particular offerings that create a memory within the heart of God and the creating of a fond, a sweet memory in his heart with regard to us, then is a memorial. And it draws him near. It draws him near. And, and that memory lingers in his heart and that that memory lingers in his heart so strongly that he can actually move on our behalf, or he can conjure up. You ever conjured up the memory? Don't we do that sometimes? Even when we're just thinking about what to eat, and we're just thinking, you know, what should we have? And well, we're coming into Sunday, and well, what should we do? And what well, what should we have? Should we have pizza? Or you ever planned a meal? You know, when you're planning a meal, sometimes what happens is that as you think about the meal, then the thought of the meal is attached to the aroma of the meal, and the aroma is attached to the fond things that have happened when you've had that meal. Right? And so even as you plan a meal, you might think about that, and what's happening is you're conjuring up. That sounds kind of weird, doesn't it, conjuring up? You're bringing up that sounds like barfing, that doesn't sound good, but but you're um you're remembering let's go with that. you're memorializing you're bringing to the forefront of your mind something that you've had before that was good. By the way, if it was a disaster, you're probably not going to cook that one again. But you're bringing that to your memory. Right? And I really believe Father does that with us. I believe Father brings to his memory things over us, things concerning us, where there was sweetness, where there was sweetness, where there was incense, where there was an aroma. I I, I think even when we're wandering around, remember, you remember uh, Abraham got busy? Right, Abraham got super busy with Isaac, but yet Isaac was like the coolest thing ever. Isaac was the promised son and forever. I mean, it took like 25 years for Isaac to arrive. That was the longest pregnancy ever. And so, you know, uh, Abraham got real busy with Isaac, and he got excited about Isaac. So it says in Genesis 22 that God kind of wondered it had been so long. Since he had felt, smelled, sensed the sweetness of deep and appropriate worship from Abram that he kinda wondered if he still loved me like he used to. You remember Genesis twenty two, anybody here in the house? Should we read it? All right, let's read it. You got a Bible? Who needs one? You got a screen? Genesis 22. This isn't in the Bible. This isn't in the sermon today, but we'll just go here for fun. Genesis 22. Am that right? Sometime later, God tested Abram, and he said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he replied, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the mountain of Moriah, and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. He wasn't after Isaac. He was after Abraham's heart. He hadn't smelled the incense of Abraham's heart in so long, he forgot what his love smelled like. And so he asked, and so when they get to the mountain, And the heart of Abraham is revealed toward God. Then he says, set your son aside, for I am sensing that you love me. I'm sensing that we're still one. This is good. And there was a ram caught in the thicket, and he said, bring the ram. God loves the smell, the smell, the aroma of our lives, the aroma of our lives, the aroma of our worship, the aroma of our dedication, the aroma of how important he is to us. Leviticus 2.8, when you bring in the grain offering which is made up of these things to the Lord, it shall be presented to the priest and he shall bring it to the altar. And then the priest shall take up the grain offering and its memorial portion. There was a portion that was actually a memorial portion of the grain offering, and that particular memorial portion would be burnt before the Lord, and he shall offer it up in smoke on the altar as an offering by fire of a soothing aroma to the Lord. A memorial offering is a soothing aroma Toward the Lord. And what I want you to see this morning is that giving, giving, giving is a soothing aroma before the Lord. Giving is an aroma that captures his attention. Giving is an aroma that actually brings forth a memorial in his heart wherein he remembers not only that you love him, but he remembers that your passion, your desire, is after him, that your heart is after him, that you are walking in such a way that you want to flesh out his heart wherever you go. Giving is like him. Giving is of him. Giving is his nature in you. And when you are a giver, then you participate in a memorial aroma that draws him near. And this memorial aroma will, will actually—it will actually be something that that he will reference when you're not giving. He'll remember a time when you gave, and when he remembers a time that you gave, it will stir within him an emotion to draw near to you and to bless you and to do something for you. You ever done that with somebody? Remember what they did? Philippians 4. Philippians 4 and verse 10. Everybody okay? Am I getting too excited? I can calm down, possibly. Philippians 4. This is Paul writing to the church at Philippi, right? I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, this is Paul. Paul is, we know Paul as an apostle. We know Paul as a writer of many of the books in the New Testament. But this is Paul, the missionary. This is Paul, the evangelist. This is Paul, the traveling minister. This is Paul who's going all throughout the nations, the countries of Asia, spreading the gospel to the non-Jewish people, the Gentile people. He's, 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 fiery and excited to share the good news that Jesus has come to liberate us from the enemy, from sin, and deliver us into the goodness of God. And so he's, he's going, and, and we know that he's somewhat dependent on the giving of the people, though also he is a tent maker, and he's laboring as well so that he won't be too much of a burden on any place that he goes. So now he's commending the church at Philippi, and he's just, he's just excited that, that they're going to help him financially. This is a financial issue, a financial context. Verse 14, yes, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles or in my needs. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, When I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. Now, somebody carried Actually, somebody carried a gift to him, and this is him writing a letter back, him writing a letter back and just telling them your gift came. Uh, i received this. Uh, I'm thankful for it. He says, I've received your full payment. I have more than enough. I'm amply supplied, Uh, kind of reverse to what some of us would say now as evangelists. I've received your gift, and golly, I still don't have enough. Could you please send more? You know, this is it's just wonderful that he is so gracious. He's so thankful, right? I'm amply supplied. not that have i received from Epaphroditus the gifts you've sent, they are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Your gifts are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. How many times do we quote verse 19 to those who have not participated in verse 10 through 18? How many times do we quote verse 19 over ourselves when we have not participated in verses 10 through 18? Not trying to beat you up. This is not condemnation and bondage preaching whatsoever. I'm just, I'm just saying, wow! Look at this! Look at this! That, that the pledge or the promise, and what he's saying essentially is that what you did has caught God's attention. This is a, this is a, an acceptable sacrifice. It is an aroma to God. It's like that memorial offering that is being offered up. It's going to catch his attention. And by the way, when you have needs, the God we serve will supply your needs according to the riches that we have in Christ Jesus. Amen? Go over to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 and verse 1. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. Now, this one stirs me, and, and I want to just meditate on this passage, very similar passage. But what stirs me about Cornelius and this passage is that I got the thinking, and I believe it's the Holy Spirit that prompted the thought, is that Cornelius was acting not so much out of the prompting of the Holy Spirit but out of his own desire to please God, out of his own desire to love well, out of his own desire to be a blessing. Let's read it together. Acts chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regimen. Now, Rome would, Rome would pull in, Regiments from all around the district, and at this time, uh, the Romans were over the government of Judea. Caesarea is a seaport city, and so this particular centurion, centurion means he's a captain over 100 men, and this would have been in a cohort of 600. So he would have been one of the captains of a cohort of soldiers in this fort city, and he's, he's been brought in from Italy. He's been brought in from the district of Italy, and here he is in Judea serving. And and it says here, it says that he and all of his family were God-fearing. Now, some of the studies, some of the texts say that that. That when God-fearing is used here in the Greek, it means that he probably wasn't circumcised yet as a proselyte would have been. But nonetheless, he was devout. He was serving God. He had devoted himself to Hebrew Scripture and was serving the God of the Hebrews and was, was pursuing Jehovah as best as he could. And he was, we'll see that he was a man of prayer. It says that he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision, and he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked, and the angel said, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. So Joppa is a coastal city about 30 miles away, and and, uh, he's got servants, he's got emissaries, and the angel says, send and go get this guy Peter, because he's got something to tell you. When the angel who had spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants, and he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. I want to read to you verses 1 and 2 out of the King James. I found that in my study that some of the translations are more clear with some of the words than others, and they use a fullness of verbiage out of the Greek, whereas some of the newer translations in their simplification, leave some things out. So one of the things that we pick up about Cornelius is that his giving was a giving of alms. Everybody say alms. The King James brings it out clear. says, There was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people. Which gave much alms to the people. So then we look at alms. So this is this, this brings up a new issue and an interesting issue is that Cornelius might have been a tither. He might have been giving tithe in a Levitical way. But what caught God's attention is that he was an alms giver. He cared about people. He cared about the poor. He cared about needy. And alms means that in addition or aside from giving to the Levitical ministry and what would have been the temple or the priesthood, that he was constantly and generously and muchly giving to those who had need. He was looking for and finding those who had need, and then he was blessing them financially or economically, and it's that thing that caught God's attention. It's that act that produced this aroma that brought before God something that created a memory in the heart of God that now is seen as a memorial is that cool? I want you to go and look at it a little bit deeper because when we get to Acts chapter 10, verse 24, we learn a little bit more of the story. So these guys go off. They go down to Joppa. They look for Peter. And this is no small thing, by the way, because what is happening is that his giving provoked a memory so strong with God that God decided Cornelius would be the first non-Jew to hear the gospel, to come into the kingdom and to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this is a big deal. This is like this imagine today, I mean I know over 2000 years later, but imagine getting selected to be the first of the greatest thing that God is about to do. And in and in Joppa, you can bet I mean not that this is even important, but in Joppa, you can bet this guy was important. If you're the first in something that God does that literally breaks through in all of the earth and God selected you to be the catalyst for the breakthrough and the testimony of your household and your family will be the catalyst for that breakthrough, this is a big deal. I mean, when they came back and shared the gospel with him, the Holy Spirit to seal the deal and to show, to seal the deal and to show all Gentiles that God was opening the door for them to come into the kingdom of God, he baptized them in the Holy Spirit with tongues and with prophecy before Peter even finished the prayer. Before there was even here, here's the cool thing. Before there was even opportunity to receive, because Peter was struggling with all this, he saw this vision. And when they got to him, he was seeing the vision. When he when when they got to him, he was seeing the vision. They came down to Joppa. Peter had been drawn up to prayer. He was on the rooftop. He's praying. And they came to him, to his house, when he's in the middle of this trance. He's having this vision, and God's telling him in the vision to receive all things and showing him that no thing is unclean, and even to receive the Gentiles, right? And they knock at the door. And I'm telling you, Jews did not talk to the dogs during those days. The people knocking at the door from a racial aspect, believe me, there was racism in that day, and there was bigotry, and and the people knocking on the door shouldn't even have come in his gate. Those were dogs knocking on the door, but God showed him in a vision to receive them, and 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 I, you know, he was still struggling. By the time he got to their house the next day, he was still grappling with his vision. What in the world has God up to? And so. It could be that he would have never even given an altar call. I mean, he, he went there to tell them the story. He's being obedient. He tells them the story, and before he can even give an altar call, because maybe he wouldn't have, before he can even give the altar call, the Holy Spirit falls on them, and they are saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit and begin to prophesy before he can even give an altar call. And Peter's freaked out. The guys with him are freaked out. All the Jewish people that he took along with him to watch this scene, they're all freaked out. They're looking at each other and like, what in the world? God has received the Gentiles. He becomes, Cornelius becomes the catalyst for something new in God. And what caught God's attention was his heart of giving. And here's what I want you to see. This is before the Holy Spirit. This is before the Holy Spirit. See sometimes with our giving, this is what happens with our giving. Let's read a little bit more then. We got to close, I know, but I just want you to see there was something about Cornelius there was something about him that desired more of God, desired to be like God, desired to model the God that he saw in the Torah and in the Old Testament. There was something about him. There was something pressing in with regard to him that he was actually leaning into and developing and cultivating in his life. And, and, and my point is he wasn't waiting for a nudge from the Holy Spirit. He wasn't indwelt and he wasn't baptized. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? What I'm saying is that, that, that you can stir something up in God with your own initiative. Well, shouldn't I just wait for the Holy Spirit to lead me? I really don't give unless the Holy Spirit leads me. I'm just waiting for a quickening from God. How about that excess you got in your bank account? I'm really just waiting for the Holy Spirit to talk to me about that. You know. And if I feel the leading, if I feel the leading, and like the lightning bolt of the Spirit, if I feel like a jolt in my rump, if I feel like God has hit me with some kind of a dream or vision, if I, if I feel like there's some kind of a real deep moving of the Spirit, then I think I might part with that dollar bill. That stinketh. You're producing an aroma, all right? Oh! The aroma of Tacoma. Come on, church! This, this... Let's read Let's read a little bit more. Just two seconds more. You okay? You still here? On the next day, verse 24, they entered Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for him. And he called together his kinsmen and all of his near friends, and Peter came in, Cornelius met them, Cornelius fell down at their feet and worshipped. but Peter said, Stand up, I myself am a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that had come together. And he said to them, You know how that it is, that it's unlawful for a man that's a Jew to keep company or to come unto one of another nation. But God showed me that I should not call any man unclean. Therefore came I unto you without argument, And as soon as I was sent for, so I asked, therefore, for what intent you've sent me. And Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour, this time of day. It was about noon, by the way. Four days ago, I was fasting until that time. But then at the ninth hour, as I prayed in my house, behold, a man, an angel, stood before me in bright clothing. And he said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms are held in remembrance in the sight of God. So we see a couple things here, too. We see he was a man of prayer. We see he was fasting. We see he was inquiring of God. But we see that these alms giving had created a memorial that had gone up before God. And that memorial, that memorial, that memory. And so when God, think about this, and I need the band to come glad you're here this morning. Amen. Think about this. Um, you're wondering what to cook for this afternoon. You're thinking about what in the world we're going to have for dinner, okay? And you're looking back, well, you know, <laughs> roast potatoes, garlic, onions, that's pretty good. Okay, I, okay. it's a little late for that. You had to put that in the oven this morning. But God, God is like, and I want you to see this, God's about ready to break something new through. God's about ready to do something new. God's about ready to do something really, really cool. I want to tell you what a a memorial is. God's about to do something really cool, and he's thinking on it, right? And as he's thinking on it, he remembers Cornelius, He remembers, Here, here is somebody, because I'm looking for somebody who would be a receiver of this thing. Now, Cornelius is not giving any alms at the moment that God decides it's Cornelius. But what Cornelius did created a memory in the heart of God So when God begins to consider who she should send this blessing to, the memorial, the memory comes up within him. That's the Gentile. That's the one. And that's what your giving does as well. Your giving. Come on, stand with me this morning, church. You're giving when you haven't heard from him. You're giving when there's no goosebumps on your wallet. You're giving when you don't have a word whatsoever. You're, you're you're giving where there's no when there's no dream or vision. You're giving just simply because you want you want to be an extension of his heart. You want to be a blessing. You're giving because you see a need that that needs to be met. That kind of giving. The giving that comes out of the initiative within you, not just Him prompting you. I'm not saying there's nothing. I'm not saying there's something wrong with Holy Spirit prompting. But how special it is when our kids... Initiate something of a mature level because they want to be like us and they want to do what's good and they want to do what's right. That's the makings of a memory. Makes a demand for blessing. Makes a demand for breakthrough. Puts a spotlight on our hearts. Puts a spotlight on our lives. Holy Spirit, we just love you this morning. Come on, just talk to Him right where you're at. Just choose to be right now. Talk about your own heart right now. Talk about your own heart. But you're not running from Him. You're running to Him. You're choosing to be one who lives in such a way that He is drawn near to you you are drawing near to Him. This is what James says. Draw near to God. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Don't even wait for the Holy Spirit to prompt you. You draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Heads bowed, eyes closed just for a moment. Some of us are coming back to God this morning. Some of us are Rekindling our walk with Him. Some of us are renewing and restoring our walk with Him this morning. Some of us, we've come this morning knowing that there's blockages, blockages that we're laying down. We've come this morning actually knowing that there's blockages, there's hindrances to our walk with Him. We've come here today to set aside, to put aside, to lay down, to actually leave at the altar. Would you come from around the room? Altar workers are going to meet you here as we close this morning. Let's close, drawing near to Him, our Heavenly Lover. near to Him, our heavenly love. Father, we just declare a benediction of nearness on Your people. Let the love revival spread across our body, spread across our midst. Holy Spirit, not only You loving us well, but us loving You well. Let there be a joining with You we thank you for it. In Jesus name.